two of the show here on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show on your Friday. I got some dancing to do a little bit later on. Ooh, I got a good song for you too, Patrick. Uh, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. right now is the Democrat of the day. Senator Melissa Halverson Wickland is kind enough to join us. She's going to be changing numbers. I believe you've been Senate District 50, but you're not about to be Senate District 51, correct? Yes, that's right. And thank you, Matt, for for having me on your show today. Um, Yes, I'm currently, I represent Bloomington and Richfield um, in Senate District 50. And now it's going to be, I'm running for um, the state Senate in Senate District 51, which will be part of Bloomington, all of Richfield, and then a small part of Minneapolis as well. Well, and, and you got the airport in there as well. Kind of give you a better idea. Yes, the airport. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a fine airport. Actually, you know what? You and I are going to spend some time talking about how gorgeous your district is to go hiking in. I, of course, when the pandemic came down, I was going out and doing hikes. And I got to tell you, going down on that riverside there on your district, over uh, off on, on in, in your Senate district now, the, some of the fall colors down there are as good as you will find anywhere. It is spectacular. Yeah, it really is. And uh, the uh, old Cedar Bridge restoration that was done yes. um, during my time in the Senate, um, and that's a great, a really great place for people to go hiking. There's many trails from there. And along with the beautiful leaves, um, there are just tons of birds that uh, fly through that uh, the. Minnesota Valley Wildlife Refuge, and it's a fantastic place for hiking and uh, bird watching as well. Well, and I've been down on was Long Meadow Lake down there, a bit of a mm-hmm. hill. <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah, it's a it bit is. of a hill to get down there, but you could spend easily the day. And as a matter of fact, you brought up the way to get around there. You can do the old Cedar Lake, uh, Cedar Avenue Bridge, go down there, park mm-hmm. down there. That way, you don't have to go up and down the hill. But it is you can go pretty much. They've got a great trail there that runs right on, on the riverside. Uh, it really is great. I've really enjoyed spending time over there because I never realized how great that area was just for just natural beauty. Yeah, it is. And I, I think it's um amazing setting um, in an urban area to have a beautiful, um, you know, not wilderness, but it's um, really got a lot of um, wildlife assets and just tons to see. And then the, the trail system that goes all the way from there, all the way to the other end of Bloomington, actually. So you can, you can go on a a full day hike if you want. <laughs> that would be a full day hike. Uh, Senator, yeah. you have been in the Senate since uh, 2012. Uh, you are currently the minority leader on the Health and Human Services Finance uh, Services Finance and Policy uh, Committee in the Senate here. Uh, talk a little bit, first of all, about the last session and, and, and where, where have you been at? Anything that you felt good about? Any frustrations that you've had? Well, it, it certainly was um, started out with a lot of uh, hopefulness, and, and I was hopeful that we would be able to use the surplus to make a, a big difference for a lot of Minnesotans, and it was really frustrating to get to the end of the session and um, have the health and human services bill, uh, finance bill, you know, not move forward and the Senate Republicans unable to, to get work out, um, you know, the differences with the House. Um, and I think we we made a little progress. We made some progress on mental health and had a, uh, you know one bill that was very good and and put some money towards some really um, absolutely necessary mental health um, 
programs. Um, but where we could have um, taken action with the surplus we had to to really make a difference for people who care for our elders and in long-term care settings and people who care for Minnesotans with disabilities and uh, people who care for our children in all the different kinds of child care settings, we could have uh, made a, a huge difference in their lives and um, increased their wages, um, but that didn't get done. And that is really a, a frustrating um well, it's very frustrating for me. You you brought up mental health issues. Rural Minnesota is in a health uh, mental health crisis right now. There's not enough you know medical professionals out there. Uh, the the the, infra- the infrastructure needed to deal with the health crisis, whether that's at schools or whether in the, the communities, is just not there. Uh, the professionals are overwhelmed with cases at this point. You know, this is something that affects a lot of Republican Senate districts. Yet, you know, it's, there doesn't seem to be any urgency whatsoever by the Republicans to, to deal with this, because obviously it's not just a crisis here in the Twin Cities and Duluth, Rochester. But I mean, it is it's, it's everywhere in the country, for that matter. But in rural America, it is a it's a real nightmare because they just don't have the mental health professionals on the ground they need. They could have helped fix this. Did you talk to any of them about this? Uh, yes, we well, we had some conversations about it. Yes, um, you know, it, it is a, a topic that there's discussion about different approaches. And um, I think, you know, we need to work on developing the workforce. And that means, um, you know, putting money into our educational part of our system to, to help people become mental health professionals. Um, we also need to make sure that we're paying, uh, paying the rates um, that professionals, you know, need to be able to get get um, get along um, providing these services. And I think that's an area we haven't um, seen much action on um, making sure that our, our reimbursement rates are, are adequate for providers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the system is just, um, it hasn't been built, um, our mental health system hasn't been built in a way that um, is meeting the needs of um, all, all the Minnesotans that need access. So it's it's something that we, we do need to continue to work on. And put more resources into and, you know, thoughtful policies to make sure people have access to the services they need. You you talk about, you know, you bring this up on your webpage and you talked about this before, is that COVID, you get, um, this the pandemic exposed a lot of problems in the system. Here we are mm-hmm. two plus years later and you've got burnt out doctors, burnt out nurses, you know, a, a, a hospital system, which is basically, you know, it's, it's you know, to, at some points cavitating. It's, it's, it's still having a hard time recovering from what it went through out there. When you approach mm-hmm. a policy point of view on something like this, I mean, obviously making sure we, we you know, help out the medical the industry, whether that's the hospitals or, you know, the, the companies are, you know, helping take care of people. You mentioned long-term care, elderly care as well. But what are, how, do, how do you address this? Because this is, to a point, it's a new problem. We've, we've not had, with our modern medical industry, a crisis of this nature in almost 100 years. And so it's got to be interesting and somewhat, in, you know, to a point, intimidating to have to uh, address some of these issues that are coming to light because of the pandemic. Yeah, and I, I think you can see, you know, with the the past, um, the organization of the nurses and the, the strike a few weeks ago, um, that they have great concerns with, you know, it's not only um, being paid a wage that's uh, commensurate with the work they do, but it's also the working conditions and having enough people on during their their shifts to be safe. 
Um, and, and those are things that um, definitely we need to address. I think one aspect that, that I am focusing on that um, is kind of um, underlies some of the, the issues that we're seeing is that people today are, are not able to find, um, you know, child care providers that um, meet their parents' needs and are affordable. And I think that the government can play a role in um, really helping in this area and helping parents uh, be able to find and um, access care, um, you know, by by ensuring that providers are being paid, uh, you know, a, a living wage. Um, right now, people who work in, in child care settings are only making, you know, $12, $13 an hour, and um, it just simply isn't um, enough to live on or compete with other work that they could find that's that, you know, pays more. So I think if we're able to um, use, you know, our, our government um, funding and, and policies to, to help um, under um, kind of undergird the child care system, I think that would go a long way to helping parents or helping the adults be able to go to work and, you know, be available to take on, you know, more positions where we, we have shortages in our, our society right now. And that could be healthcare and other settings. State Senator Melissa Halverson, Wickland, kind enough to join us. Senate District 50, soon to be Senate District 51. Uh, the you bring that up. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things. It's because now we're getting not only in in healthcare, parent care, parental, you know, looking out for your kids, but also mm-hmm. the, the the change in how our ec- economics are working, where people. You know, they're just, you know, it's it's less expensive for them to quit and just stay home and watch their kids as opposed to mm-hmm. work. You really do have a complex issue that, I mean, and once again, this is not a metro area issue. We just had Reed Olson, who's running for a house seat up in 2A yesterday, up in the Bemidji area, heading up towards Angle mm-hmm. Inlet. And he was talking about you can't find a daycare up here. This is, once again, you've got this budget surplus. This is a, truly an undeniable need statewide what when you when you were dealing with the Republicans, what was their mentality when it came to something like this? Because it, it once again we we don't have a solution from the Republican led Senate at this point. Right. Yeah. I think the um, the approach and the um, some of the feedback I I get is that you know we we can't um, afford to put um, you know our state money into this pro, into this area, and I think. Um, we can't afford not to put money um, into this area to help um, help parents in the the their first or their child's first years of life. Um, we know how important those um, years are for care and for um, learning, and um, and it's it's really um, not possible for us to to ignore that. Um, you know, parents need help, and um, we can make a difference with the the surplus we have and ongoing funding. We um, we do need to to put more funding into the the child care system. Uh, you've been a, a champion as well of affordable prescription drugs. Duh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I think yeah. I mean, there used to be this used to be once again another easy layup for everyone, but it has become more and more of a battlefield. Uh, you know, we we should. I don't think we should have people who have to choose between food and life. I don't. I don't think right. you know. It's you know, starving for a day or getting the medicine that they need. These are not decisions we should have in supposedly the wealthiest and and strongest economy on the planet. Right. Absolutely. And I'm I'm proud of you know work I did. Um, not this session, but the previous session. I was an author of the Alex Smith Insulin Affordability Act, 
And we implemented a program that provides access to low-cost insulin for people who are in emergency need and um, also ongoing can't afford to get their insulin. Um, We need to do a lot more in this area of prescription drug pricing because, like you say, no, no one should be rationing their insulin or, or you know, losing their lives um, like Alex Smith's life was lost due to um, the high cost of a prescription drug. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we have the program, but it's definitely an area where we need to work more on, on drug affordability. Um, we have proposed things like a drug affordability board to help get at um, rising costs or rising prices, and um, I hope to continue to work on that issue next session. Uh, we have, um, of course, a, a debate going on right now. I mean, the, the the DFL in the state of Minnesota has jumped on board with legalizing adult use cannabis. I was just in Colorado two weeks ago. I saw it out there. They don't seem to be having any problem with it. And it's a pretty good sized tax generator. You know, you get a lot of revenue from these mm-hmm. things. Uh, you are for legalizing and regulating adult use cannabis. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I am supportive of doing that. I really think that um, after, um, in my first few years in the state Senate, we we discussed medical, our access to medical marijuana. And, um, you know, I had concerns about how that could be implemented in a safe and a regulated manner. And, and we've done that. And it does help a, a lot of people. But um, now, you know, we need to look at um, uh, legalizing um, this for recreational use. And uh, I am very supportive of of taking the time to, you know, work through the bills that the the House has proposed and had, you know, many, many hearings on and discussed um, all of the issues, you know, regarding regulation, education, um, you know, how should the um, things change in the criminal justice system. Um, I think all of those things need to be examined, but um, the Senate Republicans have really refused to to do that um, work to examine um, how to implement it. And um, I think that, you know, Minnesotans who who wish to see us move forward on this, um, you know, we need a a DFL majority in the Senate to to be taking action on it. Frankly, we need a Republican Party that's paying attention because let's make sure we remind everyone the Republicans unintentionally legalized edibles this last session. They didn't know what they were doing. So we we clearly, I mean, I think the solution here is to get the Democrats in charge, the DFL being in charge. We'd get a lot of good things done. And I think we got a good chance at that this election cycle, Mm -hmm. particularly because another issue I want to let you just talk about. We had the overturning of Roe v. Wade in June. Republicans are now Mm -hmm. trying to scream that they're not these extremists when they for 50 years have been screaming how extremists they have been. The reality is there's only, if you want women's health care choices to be the responsibility of the individual woman, there's only one party to vote for, and that's the DFL. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's what I hear people talk to me about when I'm out, um, out knocking on doors. Um, that's the, the topic that they spontaneous bring, spontaneously bring up. You know, they, they want to know, you know, what, what is my stance on protecting women's um, rights, um, rights to their own bodily autonomy. And um, so it's a, a key theme of my campaign to be protecting women's access to abortion and all forms of reproductive care. And um, absolutely, um, there are, are no um, Republicans in the Senate who have been willing to, to uh, act on that in that way. And in fact, they've been over the six years they've been in the majority, they've 
um, held hearings on bills that would basically made it impossible for providers to provide abortions in Minnesota and, um, you know, taking votes on those. So it, there's no doubt in my mind that if they remain in the majority that they will they will continue to, to um, put forward bills um, that would take away women's access I, yeah, to abortion. I, and, I, and I hate saying this. I mean, this is just me as a voter, which I am in the state. I don't trust them. I mean, it, it, they, they, the same people who have been part of organizations who have been, you know, very clear that they want to make sure that there is no exceptions, not for rape or interest or the life of the mother, that, that, that they basically want nothing like that, arrest doctors, prosecute women that are coming into the state to try mm-hmm. to get services, that, that when they sit there and they say, I'm a newfound moderate, I, I just don't trust them because the reality is out in rural Minnesota, I'm hearing that a lot of the Republicans out there are talking about, no, we're going to overturn Dovey Gomez which basically enshrined mm-hmm. even further extended laws and rights into the state constitution. That They're going to go after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't see any... I mean, if they had been um, r- truly interested in addressing, you know, comprehensively women's um, health care and reproductive care, um, we would have seen bills that, you know, they would have brought forward that, that could have taken action on that and... and We've seen just the opposite. So um, the bills that are introduced are, are, I think, reflective of the actions that they would take um, going forward. Senator, you are the minority leader on that committee. I want to make you the majority leader on this committee. And I've looked at the redistricting. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about the DFL this year. I feel I think there is a legit chance that we can get into these Senate districts. We flip them over. Not I mean, obviously, you know, you've been a strong leader in the DFL, but there's a lot of districts now that all of a sudden went from fairly reliable Republican to much more reliable Democrat. And I'm hoping that we can get enough of these districts flipped to where you are in the majority position here. I want to get people down to help you in your campaign. Once again, you're just on the the east side of Bloomington. It's a gorgeous part of the city, easy to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richfield, parts of Minneapolis as well. So if someone would like to volunteer for your campaign or donate to your campaign, what's the website they should go to find out more information about it? Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, it would be, it's wicklandforsenate.com. So it's W-I-K-L-U-N-D is how you spell my last name. So wicklandforsenate.com. And there's a a button to sign up and let me know that you're interested in in helping in the campaign in the last four weeks now. And um, also there's a button to donate. Um, We definitely need help um, getting out and talking to neighbors in the new district about, you know, about the importance of this election and the importance to our democracy, really, um, to get out and um, let them know, you know, voting is coming up. You can actually go vote early now. And um, so we need people to help with that. Um, I'm also helping um, in other key races because, like you say, there's definitely districts where we're we're thinking that um, the the changes, you know, are are helping us, and we need to help these candidates get um, the word out about about themselves. We have some excellent candidates running across the state. Um, I've been helping um, with door knocking in uh, Senate District 58. Uh, Clarice Graybaugh is running there, and um, she's running a great campaign. And Senate District 57, Jackie Craig is running a great campaign. Um, and so any anything that people can do to, to help help me help them and um, help me in my own district, um, it really will make a difference. 
Oh, Jackie. I'm a big fan of Jackie as well. I've, I've, I've known her for years, so I'm so glad she's running for Senate. Uh, I, I think it's going to be great. There, there, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. That, that map... That map was a pretty good map for the DFL. At the end of the day, you know, and especially with as mad as a lot of people are about the overturning of Roe v. Wade and taking women women's rights, I, I you know, we got to work hard. Everyone has to vote. But if this, is, if everyone does vote, the DFL is going to win and win, I, I think, fairly handily in the state. So hopefully that is the case. Wicklandforsenate.com. That's Wicklandforsenate.com. Senator, an absolute pleasure as well to talk to you once again. All my best. And I hope to chat with you as the majority leader coming up here next year sometime. Yeah, well, I'd be be happy to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. My pleasures. Senator Melissa Halverson-Wickland is Democrat of the Day. Senate District, she's currently 50. She will be Senate District 51 coming up this election. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.